episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 120, and we are the Houdat Jedi Council. I'm Aaron, as with me, with me as always, is uh, Fredo and Dave. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. We were uh, talking, uh, we do need to start recording those off, uh, off-air conversations just for fun sometime. Oh, you're going to have to pardon me. Um, my wife is gone, so the dogs are running free. So you might hear bones dropping, dogs barking, clickety-clacky going on the floor. You know, it's just what it is. So, um, But no, we were talking, uh, still talking Galaxy's Edge stuff. Um, I've got a lead on the Skywalker lightsaber, so I'm really excited. Um, pays to know people. Um, but... Uh, also was showing off that I, I kept my my diet coke thermal detonator um so that was kind of cool i'm just gonna prop looking up in price because i remember they're like 350 thereabouts when they debuted at Galaxy's they, Edge. they were 350 when they, yeah then they've gone up in price um okay yeah so <laughs> uh, i remember them being like at the start but you know it's okay it's it, it, you know and it, it's one of those things where i like you know, it's like you get one just because. And we did try mm-hmm. blue and green milk. And um, I like blue milk and Brit like green milk. And so that, and I didn't like green milk and she didn't like blue milk. So it worked out for us. So um, I don't think we mentioned that last week. So um, tonight. How, how expensive was the blue milk? Because I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was like four bucks or something like that. When well, I we there. got the alcohol version. So it was more than. Oh, which. Yeah. Which I think that was, I don't get the alcohol version because at Disney, there ain't a lot of alcohol in their alcoholic drinks. So, <laughs> um, just saying. Um, but, uh, oh, crud, I forgot what I was going to say. So, oh, well. Um, so, no, tonight uh, we're going to be talking about the episode three of Kenobi. And, um, uh, Dave put out on Twitter kind of a poll of when we do talk about these episodes, do you all want us to uh, be playing the episode along, kind of doing a watch party type of a thing? And apparently the answer was yes. So um, so if you want to get up Disney Plus and, uh, and skip the recap and then also skip the intro, and um, that's where – so it's like when the Obi-Wan title is fading in from the sands. That's where we'll be starting. Uh, but we're going to talk about, uh, you know, episode three tonight, which is was kind of an exciting episode. Um, my sister just started. She actually texted me a couple of days ago. She said, should I start watching Book of Boba Fett or Kenobi? Which would I like better? And I was like, uh, you need to watch Kenobi because she was kind of a passive Star Wars fan. And so she was like, um, the comments that she has made... Um, is very is really kind of funny she keeps texting me as she's watching the episodes so let's see here um okay so said tatooine doesn't look like a very nice place to live my reply did it ever um said true and she said leia's life was much more cushy i said well she was a princess oh good point i like little leia i said yeah that girl is awesome and she said she actually likes the character didn't just like the actor like the character and then she replied back said why do I get so stressed out? I know Ben lives and to be an old man. And then um, she was watching episode three today and she said, the place Ben went to find Leia is worse than Tatooine. Then the next one is, holy McClunky, Darth Vader. (laughs) And then she replied, I didn't like part three. 
<laughs> so that was, uh, I mean, she did like it. It was just really stressful. She's finding it just, it, it is pretty intense. So um, before we start watching the episode, I guess, just what were your overall, because let's, spoiler alert, everybody, Darth Vader's on the screen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how'd you, how'd you feel about the, the progre- I guess, the progression of one, two, and three so far? That it worked pretty well. Two felt like kind of a necessary evil. Um, you know, a lot of those kinds of tropes that you would sort of expect to pop up, popped up. And it was kind of the connective tissue between episode one, which was the intro of the character, which I liked a lot. And episode three, where everything kind of goes to heck, goes to McClunky. So, um, as far as like a narrative arc so far, I, I like what we've seen. I think it works. Uh, and this episode was uh, fraught with peril. Yeah. It was far too perilous. <laughs> no. Let's go back there and face the peril. Uh, no, actually, yeah, I agree with everything Dave said. I think uh, so far that it's flowed really well as an overall story. You could see kind of where this could have been a movie you know, where originally maybe it started as a movie and then they've given the fact that Disney Plus gives them more time, they've allowed themselves to flesh out characters, events, situations. So, uh, but it hasn't lost any of its uh, thematic drive yet for me. I think it's, if anything, episode three, which I didn't see coming, was absolutely what we needed to see. You know, the the other conversation my sister and I had, because I called her and... uh... And she she said she didn't really like. She said, "Man, what you say? Obi Wan just kind of given up, you know. Just he's or he's he's really." She was making some like judgment of like he's basically kind of, pardon me, McClunky, it as a Jedi or something like that. And I was like, "Well, you know, so there's a lot of common things here. It's like he's you know, first of all, he's defeated, you know, he's really disillusioned, but then also I think there's an intentional." you know, turning himself off from the force, like mm-hmm. what Luke did in mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. And I've often be, okay, we'll hit play here in a second, but I've wondered if they, in in the Kenobi episodes, are we validating The Last Jedi a little bit? And was that intentional on their part? I said it last week. I said, where were all the people who were upset about Luke? Because Ben's in the same place he shut himself off in the force because the minute he starts to enforce stuff, then the inquisitors will find him. If you buy that theory that Aaron just put out and you really like the last Jedi, you should definitely go back and listen to our episode of the hundred best characters uh, list because it was heavy on last Jedi uh, love. And uh, we had some thoughts on that. Um, It was an entertaining episode. So minor plug there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just kind of kind of go off what you're saying there, just real quick. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, this is a story of a man who has lost his faith. And the juxtaposition between the Obi-Wan that we saw in episode three, confident, assured of who, who he was in his place in the galaxy and his understanding of things. And he literally saw, well, not literally, but he saw his entire galaxy crumble, the world around him crumble and shift and what does that do to anybody? I mean, it's understandable. It's the reason why Luke's journey also made sense. If, if everything you worked so hard for falls apart, you're not just going to be like, well, oh, well, you know, I'll keep going with uh, 
with the way I've been living my life, it's going to have major impact on my character and it has on Obi-Wan. All right. So we've skipped the intro. We've skipped the uh, um, recap. Uh, let's go ahead and hit play on the count of three. And one, two, three. And uh, by the way, you notice that the last eye in Kenobi is uh, a lightsaber. That's kind of fun. What's well, interesting that a lot of a lot of people may start making connections with the uh, posters, uh, the the character posters uh, in the promotional material, and how the eye reflects who they're targeting, or focused on. Maybe not targeting, exactly. but focused on. Yeah, yeah. And we we start off with Obi Wan uh, still trying to connect with Qui Gon, mm-hmm. and. It, it, there's actually a line later we'll talk to it's the line that uh it a, one, a, somebody writes on the wall that says only when your eyes are closed will you see the way um basically you say and I, I, I again i think obi-wan has not been doing he's out of shape he's out of jedi shape and so he can't connect with qui-gon at this point because he has to be if you, especially you go to that episode of the clone wars where Yoda is learning what he needs to do. Um, he needs to face his hubris, needs to, you know, let go of, you know, face himself, he needs to let go of a lot of things. So, um, yeah. So, well, it's a, But it goes to that sense of identity that he's lost. I mean, being a Jedi wasn't just a job. In so many ways, it was similar in nature to being a priest or a soldier, you know, somebody who's can't just take that off. You don't, you know, you know, you don't take that as a nine to five. It's a calling. It's a way of life. And he didn't just lose his place. He lost his faith and his belief. And not only that, on top of it all, he feels guilty for it all happening because the guy who made it all happen is the guy who's not coming for him. How about Vader being put together here, guys? How'd you take it? it? Nice uh, callback, you know, and again, it's a, it's the promise of something more here. Um, they would not just put that suit together um, if he wasn't going to make an appearance later on. And uh, and uh, and they paid that off in spades. So we're actually seeing Mustafar. And it's like they took this shot directly out of Rogue One of Mm -hmm. vader's castle and oh my goodness the voice the voice was incredible it's james earl jones but then there's also some special effects house that that's how they got mark hamill sounding like you know 25 year old mark hamill um using some ai to tweak things to make it sound i mean but oh my goodness did this sound good Mm-hmm. Well, the moment he started speaking, he just went, yep, that's Darth Vader, which is the key. It's not just, I love, you know, we'll talk about Hayden's uh, physical performance, which I think nails a lot of what the, the character, the way he behaves physically. But that connection to James Earl Jones's voice is just, it's mandatory. The character's half as good without him. So By the way, to, do you find... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Fredo. I was just going to say, did you find it interesting that he, in the first sentence, he, uh, Vader tells uh, Riva that the Grand Inquisitor means nothing, and then the next sentence, he's offering the job to her? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't really, and here's the thing also, is that they don't 
they don't say that he's dead. I mean, exactly. And, but there's a line from Rebels right before the Grand Inquisitor actually does die. He says there are some things that are far more frightening than death. And then he, so I think that might be paid off in this series. But um, now Leia's act, asking Ben about the Force, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, later, um, we'll we'll get into some more of this later on when she's asking about um, her lineage and things of this nature. But she's just very. <sighs> This is a journey for her too. Um, and, and you see it in the very first episode where she's very hyper aware that she is uh, an orphan and that um, she's adopted. She doesn't have no, understand her true place. She feels um, like a fish out of water with all the political responsibilities that she's under. Um, and so there's a there's a lot of the whole hero's journey being undergone on her part here as well. Well, it's also kind of funny that in all this time, Ben, you know, Ben, Obi-Wan, whatever you want to call him, he's been wanting and anticipating training Luke. And now he's got Leia basically asking for the training and he's very reluctant. I mean, he has to he gets kind of, you know, snippy and then has to stop himself and you know, actually, you know, calm himself down and be, and be nice about it. But she's actually wanting to be trained. I mean, she's not asking, make me a Jedi, but she's asking all these questions that he would be giving to Luke. So um, there might be. Yeah, because a... with Luke, yeah, because just think to him, sorry, yeah, in episode four, he just flat out tells everything to Luke, except, well, except for the big, big, big moment, uh, bit of news. But yeah, I think also in part, it's it's part of the, much in the same way as Ray in episode seven had wrapped her identity around her parents coming back to Jakku, Obi-Wan here has wrapped himself around the idea of protecting and eventually training Luke. I don't necessarily know that he ever thought to himself that he would be training Leia or be around Leia. I think he just handed her off to Bale and thought, okay, she'll be safe and something happens, she'll be there. But I think he always put himself in the position that if anybody was going to do anything about this, it would be him with Luke doing it. And I love, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I love how Obi-Wan is impatient as well. She's saying, why would he lie to us? And say, like, people aren't all good, Leia. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, why is my name Pinto? Puzz, why not? You know, it's like, um, so I like how he's flawed. I like how he's, you know, again, he's like a, a teacher who has been out of the school for you know a decade and he's going back in and all those things that had become intuitive um he's got to relearn sorry dave i stepped on you no it's uh he's he's walking a little unsurely there uh his gait isn't um particularly sure-footed or strong um little things about the performance just sort of belie this lack of confidence He's unsteady at this point. Um, well, especially I'm, to that point, compare it to Ben Ken Obi Wan Kenobi in Rebels, who is very assured of himself, mm -hmm. very confident, and you know strong in the Force. 
So something big's going to happen. I mean, something, some big transition happens between now and five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, when Ewan's been interviewed about that stuff and, and some of that, um, he, he's hinted that they might be another season of this show. Um, and we may or may not see that, but, um, I think in sort of underlying the surface of a comment like that, he, he doesn't necessarily think the character has completed that transition. So, um, I do think like by the end of this series, we'll probably still be, I'll still have a lot of questions and that's usually how star Wars works is like, I, I have questions now. What's going to happen? How did, how did this thing occur? And by the way, yeah. in the uh, inquisitors meeting room here, if you look along the shelf that goes around the perimeter of the room, those are all lightsabers and youngling helmets. Um, so all treasures of their, um, of who they've gotten it's kind of creepy mm -hmm. how do you like the inquisitors so far at least how they are being how they're being brought to real life are we cool with them yeah i, I like them uh they connect much with the characters as we saw them both in rebels as well as in jedi fallen order they're they're servants they're tools of vader and sidious and uh the fact that they're all snippying each other or snippy at each other or that they're not necessarily all on the same page, you know, makes sense. That's the way that the dark side works. Well, and, you said last week that, I mean, it, it's, it's obvious. And right here, you know, the mm -hmm. whatever brother is, you know, saying, you know, you talk to Vader and she's like, unless you want me to follow your order. So they're, they're trying to, they're in competition with one another. They're not a mm -hmm. cohesive team. Um, if anything, that's one of the elements that the Grand Inquisitor did kind of bring, which is why it's interesting that he's not around at this moment, because it only highlights the disparity between them. They're not a they're not the Jedi Order, put it that way. They may, they may have started as Jedi or as younglings or as Padawans. They're not Jedi in the least. Yeah, they're, they're again that infighting and the lack of uh, clear direction uh, or pecking order even uh a lot of that's because the grand inquisitor is out of the equation right now i'm sure yeah um but yeah this is we're back to uh obi-wan and leia kind of uh bickering with one another just, just just west of la in the in the mountains where they film mash um <laughs> however i will say is so far three episodes in i haven't had a moment where like i did in book of boba fett where it's like all right, they didn't have any budget left for this episode. Everything is looking very good. You know, it's interesting that some people have cr criticized the show on that level. Really? Um, and it's because, oh, well, I can tell there's only one or two practical elements and they're in a tiny little room. And it's like, I guess if you really are training your brain to look for things like that, that you're going to see them. Um but I, I don't have that experience. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. I, it looks beautiful to me. What, what I like about it is that you're getting a juxtaposition of the various worlds. I mean, this week is completely different from last week's. And actually, even though the, the world, the mining town that we're in on right now, is very much barren. It's not a desert like Tatooine. It's a different level of barren because 
Tatooine was a natural destiny. This is the effects of the empire. By the way, did you recognize that that was Seth Rogen talking to them as a weasel? No, that's not Seth Rogen. Right. That's that's somebody is else. That, no, it's uh, oh, it's uh, and it's Zach Braff. Yes, Zach Braff. Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. By the way, did, did you have a pulse when you saw that flag? Yeah, it's yeah. like a Confederate flag on the back or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really calls to mind that, and really makes you think. Okay, yeah, no, this guy's no good. But <laughs> I saw somebody call him. Oh, how about this bootlicker? Uh, that's how they referred to him. And then they were well, talking about how he's just like such a powerful villain because that's how evil can flourish is these kinds of individuals who aren't actually doing the bad thing well, themselves. Uh, let me, let but me, let me put it, let me going put it along you. with it. Uh, you're totally right. Let me put it to you this way though. It's like, again, having been in a school system, it's like you have a, let's say you have a principal who was not a big disciplinarian and kids got away with a lot of stuff and you're frustrated as a teacher because, you know, dress code wasn't, you know, followed and, you know, stuff like this. And then you get a new principal and right away they're like, you know, laying down the law and everybody's like, yes, this is great. And it's great for about the first year until they start laying down more laws and then more laws the year after that. And then sooner or later, this principal becomes more of a, you know, dictator. So, this guy, the truck driver, whatever his name is, he's probably liking it because there's actually some law and order. But we're not to the point where, where the Empire is, you know, now totally exploiting that. Um, well, and, and, in, and in part, much because uh, you know, Dave said it's very right. It's this is the banality of evil. It's the, you know, don't make waves. Don't don't get in the way. Don't question things. And. You know, nothing bad's going to happen to you. And if anything, things will be easier for you in some ways. So all he has to do is, you know, because it's interesting. He starts asking them the moment they get in the truck, well, where did you guys say you're from again? And what are your names? You know, he's checking the story. I like how the uh, the stormtroopers actually pay attention and are like good investigators here. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I don't know if you noticed, we've got a female stormtrooper in this episode which yeah. i mean makes sense they kind of set that up in the bad batch that you know there were um but uh i like this you called her leia and then now we get one of the best moments in this episode i think is when um obi-wan saying you know leia was his mother's name her mother's name i get confused mm -hmm. and he said sometimes when i look at luma he said i see her mother's face and he was telling the truth right here. Mm -hmm. um, now, apparently there's a point of controversy here. Dave? <laughs> oh, gosh. Do we want to go on that tangent just a little bit right now? Yeah, this is probably as good a time as any because um, uh, Leia begins to ask him about her parentage a little bit on her father specifically. Uh, and Obi-Wan kind of makes the comment, like, you know, I... Um, uh i you know i'd love to have been your father but that's just not the case well, first of all let's 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 say that, that this is really kind of cool that leia says actually i think she thinks ben is her father yeah because and this is getting now mm -hmm. they've kind of retconned they figured out how to make that line from return of the jedi of how leia remembers her mother you know it's i mean ben was there 
you know, when she was born. So, you know, feasibly, we should have memories of when we were born. We don't, you know, none of us do, but she, through the force, does. So she remembers what her mother looks like. And she's probably looking at Ben saying, I recognize you. Are you my father? Anyway, keep on going. No, that's an interesting point. Um, and that could work in reverse as well, which is that he, she may see um, a motherly figure uh, over the course of this city who, who she might mistake for her mother in the same way. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the, con- the controversy... Uh, you know, like somebody came out and said, um, oh, well, you know, I hate that line uh, the where she mis- he says like, oh, I, you know, I'd love to have been your father, but that's just not the case um, as him having a thing for Padme. Um, and I hate that. I hate that. It's terrible. It, it undoes all it undoes all this stuff, um, which no. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't undo anything it doesn't make it, the writers bad at their jobs um i i think it's a kind of a um it's it's a fun thing to ha- to leave open to interpretation that you could your mind could go there your mind could go there if you had your mind if you if you had not have watched every other bit of star wars i think it's a gross misinterpretation because there is nothing in the clone wars there is nothing in revenge in any of the prequels except for Anakin, you know, saying, you know, you know, Anakin's jealousy, Anakin's At jealousy in that, yeah. one, in that one, like two second instance. And yeah. so there is no evidence to the, to the, to that, at all and so them putting that in there and people freaking out saying it is eric confirms that he had a thing for padman it's like no it doesn't it's actually in my what it is is he's showing empathy to a kid you know it's like again i said in our private conversations today that you know how many times as a teacher did i look at my students and think you know god i wish i was your father but i'm i'm not you know because your 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 parents are awful your parents are, you know, or you've got, you've had a crappy life and I wish you were my kid so I could, you know, give you a better life. But that's not the case. That doesn't mean that I had a thing for one of their parents. Yeah. And, and in reality, I mean, not, not only is he showing empathy to a kid that's been, I mean, let's just think about Leia's last few days. She has been kidnapped from the only home she's known, threatened her, had her life threatened, had to go on the run. And now she's uh, in the middle of a firefight uh, between the Empire's uh, enforcers and somebody she didn't know, who she has no idea who she is, but she's having to trust. So the idea that Ben is showing compassion and empathy at that moment, it's exactly what any adult would, no, right-thinking adult would do. And then you add on top of that, the relationship in general that Obi-Wan had to her father and her mother, meaning the fact that he knew them, the fact that he was friends with them, the fact that he saw them at their best, and then he saw them when their relationship collapsed. And fe- again, and the guilt that he feels for his part in it. Now, real quick, um, talking to a friend about, because we just went through the gate here. Um, mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that really upset one of my friends, and we were talking this weekend about this. Um that he's loving the show, but then there are elements where 
the writing does get kind of lazy and it's like why did you do that for example this fence now it's kind of funny because obi-wan actually goes over he's the first person in star wars to actually go over and try to use the controls to turn the fence off and it doesn't work so he you know blasts it and then the door opens right um mm -hmm. but what upset my friend was that why do you even do that why didn't they just walk around it <laughs> well, he, you know, so you show, he wanted to. No, you show this. They, they show, and I understand his point a little bit. You show this wide shot that it's just like you know, all you have to do is walk up the hill about two feet and go around the fence and come down, you know. But um, but instead, they have to have this whole thing. Anyway, it's nothing. Well, I, nothing to get. Can to. I explain? No, but can I explain something? So, if you ever on the road from McAllen, Texas, to Corpus Christi, there is an, uh, an immigration checkpoint along that route. Now. If you look to the left and the right of that checkpoint of that highway, all you'll see is flat Texas desert. So you're like, well, why don't people go around? They do. They be. You'll see trucks in the middle of the night pull up to the side. People run and run, no, jump off and run into the desert. But they have that checkpoint specifically to stop people and ask questions, much in the same way that the stormtroopers here were. I, I, they're they're there to keep the the presence of. The I, Empire there. I get that, now, but the but their stormtroopers are all dead. They don't have to blow the gate. They can just walk around it at that point. Anyway, we don't have to go back and forth about this. And now yeah. we've got. I'm sorry, we've got uh, a new character that has come in. We have an Imperial officer who is not an Imperial officer or was and might be. Double well, agent. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I mean, we're talking now. We're ten years into the Empire. A lot of you know. A lot of these people were formerly Republic officers. So there's not guarantee that all of them signed up for what the Empire eventually became, you know. So the idea that some of them may be helping uh, on an underground railroad type uh, system for Jedi and other Force users, it's not unfeasible. And, and honestly, this is where it gets, um, there's some really cool things that are going to go down here because um, we do find out um, that it is like you said and and I I, it, I first of all I have to pause because everybody's calling it an underground railroad and I think that mm -hmm. is really diminishing what the underground railroad was that has actually kind it of is. been bothering me but I don't know how else to you know compare it we're 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 shuttling you know jedi and force sensitive people to safety you know without the authorities finding out um but uh, there's a lot of apparently when they go into this little room there's apparently a lot of cool easter eggs in there for example it, you know carved in arabesh um apparently doom is written in there so caleb doom um kanan jarris you know um oh by the way you get to vote on the new uh, Savvy's Workshop uh, Legacy lightsabers, and Kanan Jarrus is one of them. We talked about that, so mm -hmm. you can make, make your vote. Anyway, um, but uh, we find out that Quinlan Voss is right um, is helping traffic. You know, the or, or at least went through here. Uh, well, she says yeah. that you know he helps from time to time. And it's kind of interesting that a lot of people are wondering: Are we going to see Quinlan Voss in this? Um, well, that was that was the uh, presumption that a lot of some people started making regarding uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's kid. Yeah, um, and I call him kid; he's a grown adult. But yeah, 
to where talk. would the uninitiated know Quinlan Voss from? Well, that's what I was just going to say. Uh, Quinlan Voss, you're going to need to read a book um, called The Dark Disciple. You're going to have to watch Clone Wars. I just watched the episode of Clone Wars where he and Obi-Wan go chasing after Cad Bane. Pardon me, choking on Guinness. Um, he uh, is kind of a, a, a rebellious Jedi. He's kind of a, a rogue Jedi. He's, he's not... He's kind of the opposite of obi-wan actually i mean um he's very he has a power his his ability in the force is very similar to what ray had when she touched the lightsaber and she could see the moments that were attached to that object so mm -hmm. he can he can do they can touch an object and find out who has been dealing with it and whatever um but yeah it's kind of a kind of a cool cool jedi he's kind of the anti-Jedi, really. He's like the most Han Solo of Jedis, I think. You know, because he's not that he's not a Jedi, it's just he he sees the uh the the strict doctrines of the Jedi code as more more guidelines, more more suggestions than straight up orders that he must so follow. So it's a it's a it's a fun cut for folks who are familiar with the character. Which yeah, which interesting as you say i mean given the journey that obi-wan is in it, it might be an interesting juxtaposition to have quinlan be the one who kind of well, helps god put him back on the path towards being the, the jedi what, he was. what if what if ladies and gentlemen let's connect everything what if quinlan voss was the one who got grogu out of the jedi temple and had to go through this safe house at some point to get him to wherever he was um, you know, so could there's be. a possibility. Could be. Um, the, so this loading droid, this big loader droid guy, uh, I don't know if he has a designation that's been revealed yet, but Ned Ned Eight Ned Eight, I think they said something like that. The the strong silent type. Yeah. Uh, he's going to figure uh, prominently later on, and I didn't want to just gloss over him. Um, because we tend to do that. We look, we overlook the droids at times. I oh, yeah, I, love think, I think I've heard that there people are thinking that he's going to be voiced by O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, because, you know, they make a big point about how they don't speak. And Leia's like, well, what if he has something to say? I think he's going to get a voice. Um, but we've only got three episodes to get him a voice. Um, oh, I love that little moment between Leia and Tala where Leia's just looking at her and asking, is it scary? You know, the journey that they're going to go on. And, uh, you know, she kind of connects with her again, showing once again, that ability that Leia has through the force, really, to connect with people on an emotional level to see them for who they are and kind of find a way to you know bridge that gap between them. Well, and also the moment here between Ben and her He's learning from me. He says, why do you do this? Why do you risk everything? And she said, because it's so he's he's that, you know, why, seeing somebody who is sacrificing everything and putting everything on the line. And he was turning down bail, you know, an episode ago, you know, saying, no, it's too dangerous. I can't. Um, so I think he's learning a lesson here. Mm -hmm. But now we are starting to get. uh a connection um he's feeling a disturbance in the force because uh somebody's on planet 
group of somebodies. Well, <laughs> but one somebody in one particular. One somebody in particular, yeah. We got some Inquisitors. Um, by the way, I like the cinematography in this. And when it's dark and, you know, Vader's lit up and the Inquisitors are lit up, it looks really cool. Um, they did a good job because they're all dressed in black, so it has to look. But anyway, here comes Darth Vader. And Which, by the way, is is this the canonical first moment that Obi-Wan sees Darth Vader for the first time in his outfit? I would guess. Yeah. Okay. So there wasn't there wasn't a moment where it's not like a hollow Vader or something showing Darth Vader. This is now, the moment when he dawns on him. Oh crud, this is Anakin now. I wonder as a member of the five hundred and first if anything is going to change now because you have like when we go trooping and the guy addresses Darth Vader little kids will come up and get a big hug and like, oh, yay, it's Darth Ooh. Vader. We love it. this. This actually took me by kind of surprise how they introduced. He's coming into town, a whomping and a whooping. I mean, he's and I love it when he stops because he's made that connection with Obi-Wan. But he's force choking people. He's snapping necks. He's dragging them through. The, um, what do you guys think of this portrayal of Vader? It's actually taking Rogue One and I think amplifying it. It's connect. It's connecting the character. I mean, there's a reason he's the biggest villain in movie history, and for a lot of people, you know, sometimes that bite has kind of gone out of him just because well, you know you got to see his journey or whatever. You need these moments to kind of remind people. No, 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 no. He is. There's a reason everybody fears him. Let me ask Dave as the parent here. Um, too far? Uh, I mean, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know if George himself would have gone this far. Um, he, he certainly would have run it up the flagpole with some folks to try well, to figure that out. Let's, but... let's be honest, though. In, you know, in episode four, we did have some, we had some force choking and cracking of mm -hmm. necks. I mean, he broke a guy's neck on you know a rebel trooper's neck um you know and empire strikes back he you know was killing you know imperial officers but this is kind of different when you, he's you, you see the person's neck just go and it's like wow oh yeah yeah i mean i mean we did hear him crush yeah we did hear him crush captain Antilles's windpipe and neck but this is different because the, that was a character that was in direct opposition. We've all, we've for the most part we've seen him be brutal against rebels or underlings. This is different because this is bystanders. These are people who are not in his way, have nothing they could do to him, have no business being involved in any of this, and he's just towing them and using them and brutalizing them because he wants to draw out Obi Wan. And Obi Wan's instinct is to run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it's he, he understands that he has to survive, and he also knows that I'm out of Jedi shape, you know. But mm -hmm. but oh my goodness, when Vader lights up the lightsaber, oh my gosh! I, yeah, and I love the moment when Obi Wan kind of takes off, and the look, the the way the camera just lingers on Vader's helmet just for a moment, kind of like either either he's thinking to himself interesting or he's thinking to himself some curse words about how soft he's gotten and how weak he is and he can't you know he can't believe that this is what's happened to him I lose to him. <laughs> the um it, it 
yeah, I mean, like he's spooked as heck, and it, the way that this is all shot and the way that it's acted, um, I mean, it's genuine. Movie. Yeah, it's a horror movie, and he's genuinely scared. And then you get to see that fear become more justified the further into this we go, um, where he he gets downright tortured, um, and it's 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 a lot it's really a lot emotionally and you feel um a real sense of peril for him even though you know he has to survive the, you know the story has to go a certain way um it's still like visceral like i had a visceral response to this it was like i'm i'm uncomfortable i'm uh i'm i'm a little frightened you know it's like my let alone my son who you know is like threatening to sprint out of the room because it's like oh gosh this is too much um it's like i'm kind of i'm kind of with you there it's, it's I like the, uh, sorry i like the line what have you become he said i am what you made me i mean this is they made this personal quick um mm -hmm. and i've really not a lot of words are spoken between the two of them so far but it's you know, we'll get some more here in a bit. Um, but well, Vader, what to I your point, when you said we're in a horror movie, they, Vader is a lot like Mike Myers, Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees, yeah. I mean, it's, you know. You can't escape him. You cannot escape him. He pops out of nowhere. He, you know, he is one with the shadows, and he can come anywhere and attack you from anywhere. And now, my, all, you try to, all you try to do is survive him. My, my interest would be, like, what if a person, this was the first introduction to darth vader that they got we all got the introduction to darth vader in the 70s and so this doesn't take us this doesn't scare us as much but if this is the first time you saw vader you might be a little bit more scared um okay so two quick things about the saber fight right one thing uh vader's using one hand uh he's toying with him right mm -hmm. it's just this like an empire yeah very much like what he's doing with luke and empire um, and I think we in our group chat, we met one of us mentioned that, which was just like, man, how messed up was it that they sent Luke to go face Vader <laughs> after <laughs> Obi-Wan experienced this himself in a fight with Vader? So it's like, yeah, no, like that touche. Right. Well, um, yeah. again, I, I take I, I, I'm still going to say take issue with that in that they didn't just send Luke off to fight Vader in empire they actually tried yoda and ben tried to keep him on dagobah saying no you're gonna get your butt kicked if you go only a yeah. fully trained jedi can you know can take him on so luke said gave him the double bird and got in the x-wing and off he went and got his butt whooped so that ain't, they, that ain't on ben and by the time return of the jedi rolls around then it's like well we don't have anything else so it is what it but is I we'll fight him but I think in, in Jedi, Luke understood. I think I think the reality is he had no idea just how much he was going to take on in Empire. He thought, "Eh, hey, well, I've you know, oh, I've survived the odds." To the experts, make... but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, but exactly. <laughs> uh, but also, I mean, yeah, that's the, the, the maybe they should have tried. as a teacher, Aaron. If there is a way to make that uh, that lesson stick into the student's head of you may not be ready for this just yet. There might be some ways you could pass it along that just, yeah, you might not be ready for this. So there's a second um, little second little flourish in the fight itself that um, that towards the end there, Anakin's swinging the saber like a club, like just like with 
like full on anger it looks like and which again mirrors uh Luke uh doing the same yeah. thing to Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi and so like that's another nice yeah. kind of callback in a way it's like just like I'm just going to freaking try to cut you down with this thing with raw brutal strength so so can I get us to let's uh, shift away? I mean, we're gonna. There's still more of the fight going on, and Vader's going to. He's wanting to give Obi Wan a taste of his own medicine. And he's going to start burning him. So mm-hmm. let's let that play. There's nothing really. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but um, let's talk about Reva a little bit here. Um, when she finds the pathway, and she sees the Jedi symbol, she gets visibly angry and we were talking about this in our chat i said you know it's like her her first monologue in the first episode is telling everybody the jedi don't care about you they're not going to stick up for you they're going to run away you're going to be left but it's like they don't give a junk about you she's Mm -hmm. mad at the jedi and if she is that youngling in the very first scene you know what what do we think is going on? Cause it's not like, aha, I found your path. She sees this path and she gets mad. Is it to yeah. me? It's like, yeah, no, it, where, where was my Jedi saving me? Why didn't anybody take me through this path? Why didn't, you know, why was I left behind? And, you know, which is, well, no, go ahead. That's, I'm well, just no, worried I, about Reva. I, I was going to, no, cause I was going to, I was going to make the comparison to, uh, the second sister that you meet in Jedi Fallen Order, because her path is much similar the same way. Her biggest rage is against her Jedi master who betrayed and sold her out to the Inquisitors. So that, you know, in, in many instances, the anger that the Inquisitors feel whenever it's shown, it's not towards the dark side in a weird way. It's not towards their fellow Inquisitors. It's towards the Jedi. It's almost like you fail me and I didn't have enough strength to be able to survive this, let's, except doing what I'm doing now. Let's also remember what happens in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, and, and again, I don't want to diminish the stuff that's going on with Vader and Obi Wan, but none of this is like surprising. This is all really cool. But um, what happened in Revenge of the Sith is that you know Obi Wan and Yoda get into the temple and they send a message out saying, "Nobody come back. Everybody just go hide." Mm-hmm. Now, all the little kids that are running around and maybe hiding from clone troopers in the temple and stuff like that. Maybe Reva is one of them. It's, you know, maybe they see this message like, okay, good. All the grownups are saving themselves and we're left, you know, we're left to the dogs. Mm-hmm. So I think, and when you're talking about your poster, um, Fredo, Reva's eye is on Obi-Wan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't she focused no, on it's Obi-Wan? A, no, she's focused on Vader, I believe. Right. So she's focusing. So, yeah, so it's not Obi Wan that she's after. Most of the people's like focus was on like their enemy, uh, and her focus was on Vader. So and maybe so, maybe she saw Anakin slaughtering everybody, and it just that's he he's the reason for her lot in life. It's a possibility. It's also strictly it could be ambition based you know um like i i want to be the you know most powerful sith lord in the galaxy and i have to you know eventually topple vader to to be that person um so it could be just raw ambition but i i i'm with you i think it's personal 
Um, I think the reason that she knows who Anakin is is because she did have a past with Anakin of some kind uh, prior to his change. Or um, he slaughtered three of the kids that she was with, you know, as, or watching him slaughter younglings and other Jedi during mm-hmm. Order 66. Right. I mean, that would be enough to do it, right? You put two and two together eventually that, like, yeah, this this guy who's at the right hand of Sidious is the same guy. Or, you know, we even saw in the movie where he calls him Lord Vader. <laughs> like, oh. you, doesn't stretch credibility to have somebody sitting in the room like hearing him be called lord vader in that moment yeah there might be a little ahsoka you know link here where it's like you know maybe reva we talked about this maybe reva was supposed to be anakin's padawan and then you know yeah that was my theory but i don't know maybe ahsoka was shoved i don't know you know who knows how all that works but she's mad i mean she is Mm -hmm. she's just not an evil mustache twirling inquisitor you know she's it's it's personal it's you know yeah. this isn't like it is for the four yeah you know yeah the other for the other inquisitors it's a job it's a way to continue doing right. what they want to keep doing this isn't uh that this isn't personal in the way it, it's a connection to reva there's something to reva between herself and again obi-wan that hasn't been revealed yet but clearly explained into both her drives and her emotional reaction to what she's seen. No. By the way, one thing I want to mention very quick before we move on is, you know, the moment where uh, Vader's burning Obi Wan is like your pain has just begun, and I'm just like thinking, that's that's really the stick that this horror movie's holding over us or threatening us with. It's not death; it's to the pain. Right. It's it's how much how much. How much mental, emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual pain can we put? How many, uh, these how many characters movie references through? is Fredo going to make in this podcast today? We've had we've had Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Now we've had the Princess Bride. Um, I'll hand it to you on the Princess Bride though, because like when Obi Wan like runs away from the duel, it's very much like Count Ruben right. like running away from uh, <laughs> an Eagle Montoya when um, he gives him his speech. So, so. Um, some okay so some things that are kind of drive me bonkers um that i i wish people would not get so hung up on the fact that alec guinness looked old and had gray hair and ewan mcgregor doesn't and we're only you know whatever it is five years from rebels so people are are thinking that okay now maybe maybe this you know being burned maybe that explains how he now looks so old later it's like i know people who were you know full head of hair you know and then like a year later bald you know or you know full hair is just colored natural color and then like you know five years later it's ghost white i mean it's like things happen (laughs) i don't know i don't know why we're so hung up on those types of things i don't know it bothers me yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an aesthetic question, which honestly, I mean, everybody's done the math. The math has been shared multiple times how Ewan McGregor is and Hal Guinness are in the same bracket in terms of distance from where Obi-Wan's happening to when A New Hope is happening. So it, it doesn't extend credulity to say 
that this Obi-Wan and the Obi-Wan will meet in episode four of the same character. Um, Were you particularly also- because, you know, it's not... It's not the. It's not the, You know, if you're gonna be, it it seems pedantic to be uh, or nitpicky to be worried about that, because realistically, that's not the point of the story. By you the know. way, um, some other things that upset the friend of mine that I was talking to, um, and this has happened in other episodes as well. It's like, and he's talking again about some of the lazy writing. It's kind of like when the the Jedi was running away from the Inquisitors in Episode One. And he gets away because the awning comes down and the Inquisitors are like, oh, no, I can't go around the awning and go chase after you. And like here, okay, so the, you know, she shoots and ignites, you know, the stuff again. And all of a sudden there's like a wall of fire and Vader's like, oh, well, okay, I guess we're done. And, you know, so there are those things that are weighing on people. Um, You know, could they have written a little bit more like okay i believe that that's how they got away not just oh no there's a log in front of me how however will i you know get them um but uh were you surprised that we got vader versus obi-wan so soon well can i address the point that you were just making please do ever briefly um there's a really good thread on the twitter and i'll make sure that i share it i've already retweeted it but i'll make sure i'll share it again um, from Brian Young, uh, who's been involved with the Full of Sith uh, podcast for a number of years. And he talks about um, specifically the scene in Last Jedi, uh, the throne room scene, um, and what makes that scene so powerful and so uh, effective, despite what you were alluding to all the pedantic arguments that people make about the choreography in that scene. Now that they've freeze framed it and they've like pointed out the little, you know, like this guy's doing nothing over here. And this other person is not swinging his uh, weapon in the correct way, you know? Um, And he said, like, look, the point of the scene is not the choreography. The point of the scene is the emotion and the story. And I'm like, are you serving the story? Are you hitting the emotional beats that you need to? And if you're doing those things, the scene can work, regardless of some of the little, you know, details that, that might drive a person nuts, you know. And so, like, you know, thinking about that, like, in terms of, like, Obi-Wan's getaway here at the end. Oh, well, Vader could have just blown out the fire and gone and gotten him. Um it's like, well, you know, they're 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 giving the audience, us, a breather. First of all, yeah. second of all, if you want to explain it in some universe way, you can say, well, he wanted Obi Wan to suffer and wanted him to get away so he could prolong his well, suffering. It's, it's also you know? kind of like in Empire um, Strikes Back when the Millennium Falcon, you know, gets away. Vader's just like, all right. Um, Right. And so, again, the reasons that some of this stuff doesn't really matter. Well, and I want to also, our mantra here is also always about expectations. I want to just, it's kind of like, it seems like a lot of people want this and every Star Wars thing to be absolutely perfect. It's like you finally get tickets to go see your favorite band. And if they don't play one song, the concert is ruined for you. Yeah. You know, it's like they didn't play this song. 
I'm it, the whole night is ruined. It's like you just sat through two and a half hours of your favorite band playing all these things and they didn't play this one song and that's ruining your night. And so it's like, we just have, you know, all this, we, we've now had what about an hour and a half of Obi-Wan yeah. and you're upset like that the- he didn't walk around the fence with all due respect to my friend, you know, um, I see his point. It is like, could you have spent just 10 more minutes and wrote something that, you know, works a little bit but but it's like is that really going to make you upset and well is is it going to enhance your enjoyment of the story being told if obi-wan goes around the fence and spends 10 minutes running away from stormtroopers in the desert to then end up getting captured so that tala can save him or do you just shoot it go through 30 seconds you're at the same spot by the way, we didn't, uh, we didn't talk about it's the story story getting sliced in half. But anyway, that's... Oh, yeah, that, that was pretty cruel. By the way, what are the odds that you'll see that costume at next year's celebration? Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> a a stormtrooper cut in half. That's the next uh, to say, cosplay. Yeah. But, the, um, but, but to get to your point, Aaron, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's an, one about expectations, but it's also a question of the purpose of the story is to, you know, we're watching a story about Obi-Wan 10 years later reconnecting. That's why you're right in that I don't think everybody expected to get Vader so soon, but I think it works so well because Obi-Wan's story is intertwined with Anakin's and the only character who's going to bring him this low was going to be Vader. So you, in, in a sense, afterwards you're like, yeah, it makes sense that the only character is going to be able to bring, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi to the dark night of a soul, so to speak, you know, the, the bottom element of the story was Vader and you needed to have him. So let me ask you guys this. We're three episodes in, we've got three left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leia has now been captured a second time. And so we've got to go find her again and bring her to safety. Mm-hmm. Have we seen all we're going to see of Luke Skywalker and that's of him playing yeah. Vroom Vroom or Owen. Or Owen. Have I, I we, think Baru was cast in, in this. She though. is Bonnie Peace. Yeah, but, so but, I do think we're gonna return to the homestead, maybe at the very end. Um, but um this is to get back to about... your other question about you know, seeing the, the, the lightsaber fight happen this early. Um, I'm not sure it's the last time we'll see them cross sabers no, in this series. So um and because strictly because you cannot you cannot emasculate obi-wan like this and then just be like okay we're done we're all done here um he has to get his mojo back i think he's going to have a moment like ray had in the rise of skywalker where i think when qui-gon finally connects with him is Mm -hmm. going to be when he needs him most and he's going he's going to have that you know Popeye eating a spinach type of a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I also think Riva is probably going to go the route of Ben Solo a little bit of she's she's going to have a redemption of some sort that's my guess. Um, and but I but like I said I think that's probably what how he's going to get his mojo back. I think that's how we're also going to get Qui-Gon so, yeah. because when you consider it, I mean, we know that Leia will return to Bale 
to continue on her life in Alderaan, becoming the senator. We know that, you know, and here's the thing. If Vader suspected at any point whatsoever that Bail Organa or Leia, his, his daughter, was the key to getting Kenobi, we would, they would not have been allowed to be together. So we know that in some ways, how were they going to end up back again? So maybe that explains why Reva's not around anymore. Um, maybe, you know, something happens to her. Uh, but also, just from a standpoint, you know, kind of like uh, uh, regarding Dave saying about Obi-Wan getting his mojo back, just think of the characters we meet him just five years later in Rebels, or maybe, that's not five, well, yeah, five or so years later, and then right before you get to the character in episode four, the way that Ben Kenobi is portrayed by uh, Al Guinness, he's a far more mature, assured, centered, and just at peace with himself kind of character. I mean, the guy, the guy who cuts off what's his name's oh you know what is it Fonda Baba's or uh, Dr. Fonda Baba's who's arm. Arm, yeah yeah we cut Fonda Baba's arms in uh, in the cantina the guy's standing with the lightsaber drawn and just staring everybody down that's not this guy right now so we know he's gonna have to get to a point where he can feel like not only he can do that but do it and feel and look at everybody and go like and who wants next but here's you know here we like say here we are we got three episodes left um I don't feel like we've had any filler um right i do we, we've already had a big i like how we have the lightsaber one lightsaber battle so far in the third episode because i don't feel right now like i have in some of the previous marvel shows and some of the previous star wars stuff where it's like okay we're going to have to hurry up and cram everything into the last episode um except for the fact that it's like my expectations for this is i want to see him communing with Qui-Gon. I was actually expecting a little bit of Yoda because, I mean, how else are they going to, they're probably going to have to connect and talk to each other through the force. I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't happen in the very next episode, if it it were just as a way for him to get himself right. Um, That could be. You know, and just healing, connecting with Yoda because Yoda's always been a source of strength for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also where I think Quinlan Voss kind of comes into the picture. I mean, like I said, it's uh, he does he needs he need, he almost needs to like be reconnected to that Jedi mojo. He needs he needs to go back to the source. He needs to, you know, he's lost his way. He needs to find that again. So whether or not you know, so in some way, he needs to get back on that path that we know he eventually ends back on. So I think I I could see where this next episode coming out tomorrow is more. Uh, passive, there's less action happening, you know, there may be some chase or whatever, but it's more about Obi-Wan finally reconnecting with the Force. Well, and, that's the thing is that that he's, he's gonna be laid up, he's hurt, so somebody's gonna so, have to go find Leia hmm. instead maybe not somebody. Maybe, maybe she ends up once again as bait, and and the episode ends, you know, with him finally connecting. We'll see, it's gonna be interesting because. I could see where this episode coming up is is one where a lot of fans are arguing. It's like, oh, I can't believe they went back. And, you know, this wasn't as good as last week's. Because yeah, th- this is the, ve- the next episode might be the vegetables to this week's uh, candy. So, it would be hard to envision Leia getting rescued quickly this time around, um, because there is a lot more that has to occur for Obi Wan to get to the point of being able to even defeat Reva at this point yeah. and. Reva and Leia are going to be joined at the hip, I'm assuming, for the for the next little bit. 
And could it be Riva? I mean, I'm sorry, could it be Leia who starts unraveling the mystery of Riva? She's shown that ability to connect with people and see through their masks and see who through (laughs) to who they are. Um, You know, there was the meme that, uh, you know, I think Fredo shared or somebody shared in our group. And then Dave said, y'all are, you know, you know, forgot uh, that we shared this already. It was um, Star Wars fans versus Star Wars fans versus Star Wars fans. Um, like two two sets of Star Wars fans are fighting while a third set is sitting there watching and eating popcorn. Um, I think it would be an interesting study um, that somebody right now should be paying attention to how people are getting upset or, you know, or just what fires them up about <clears throat> this Obi-Wan series. And then when the next series comes out, that is outside of it's brand new. Let's take the Alco- acolyte, for example, when that launches, what is the fan reaction to that? Because again, I think there's a lot of emotional baggage that is going into this. Like I said earlier, it's like, it has to be perfect. Otherwise it's not going to be good. I think that's that- where a lot of people are sitting um, at least the people who are upset about it, except for the racists. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah, that's the whole different category yeah. that you can just sort of like, you know, put in its own box and hopefully send out into an ocean somewhere so we never have to see it again. Uh, but uh, the, yeah, the people who are like not connecting, totally get it, totally respect it. But again, like, I feel like you're onto something, Aaron. Like, it's, like, what are you bringing into this that is is not allowing you to connect with this material? Because these are um, well esta- well established fan favorite characters um, going through a journey. There is an there is a story here. There is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, and he, classic hero's journey stuff. Um, classic Star Wars tropes. Um, we're getting the laser fights and laser swords and um, I, d- I don't see any sort of failing here so far. Um, and, and so like, again, I would ask, Oh, well, is it that star Wars has changed no. or is it, have you changed? However, I mean, again, I understand my friend's point because it's kind of like when I did, you know, I, I'm going to use that band analogy again. I went and saw a band one time and you know it was like pretty good concert but then all of a sudden they were like the guitar player played the wrong chord you know um then it happened you know and like the singer hit a wrong note it's like stuff that they've been doing for 30 some years you know and it's so those things when even though it's like only one missed chord out of how many chords in the entire you know set it it grates at you. And so um, when you do have the budget that they're dealing with and stuff like that, it's like, you know, I can see their point where it's like, maybe pay a little bit more attention of, you know, have somebody in the room that's going to say, why don't, why don't they just walk around the gate? Why are we doing this? That's going to, that's going to tick off the net nerds. And it's like, well, maybe they don't care about ticking off the net nerds, but it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, that's just not, you know, believable, or that's just not clean. We got to, let's spend a little bit more time and find those things that do just not sit well. 
but again, I don't know what their what their budget and time constraints and stuff like this. And there was rewrites and things like that. So maybe it was like, we, we just got to get them to point A to point B. Who cares? That could be. But those little things, even this, you know, maybe I'm going to put air quotes again, because with all due respect to my friend, I do get their point. But as stupid as it might be of, to get upset that they didn't walk around the gate, it does great on you. And then it does, you know, like I said, one missed note can just make you feel like it was a horrible performance. Oh, no. And I guess the, the only thing I'd say is the, the hardest part, and this is why the point about the acolytes is so key, the hardest part is when there's an expectation. And it's surprising that the, the pieces of Star Wars media that we've connected or that the audience, the fans have connected with the most have been the ones with the fewest level of expectations. The Mandalorian being foremost among them because there was nothing. It was a whole new character, whole new time, a piece of the of the timeline. We had no idea what the story was going to be. We had some suggestions or some expectations, but nobody saw Baby Yoda, aka Gro no, Grogu, coming along. So, you know, up until that point, that didn't exist in our mind. So, I always think it's easier to tell the new story than it is to kind of go back. But this is also the problem: is Star Wars right now as it's being developed is doing a lot of let's go back and bring this back in here let's let's bring in ahsoka and those characters from rebels let's bring in these other characters from over here so we're going to keep having this issue about expectations with the audience with the fan base because everybody builds their head cannon and it's very hard to break out of that and the the pedanticness of those details sometimes again we were just talking about this it's like i i is that's not the point of the scene all right so Let's uh, just kind of wrap up our thoughts. Dave's alarm has gone off a while ago. Um, just uh, how, how do we feel about where we're sitting after three episodes, where we think we're going to go? Um, just very quickly, Fredo, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Okay. Um, I'm liking where we're at so far. It, it tracks with the story. It's got a nice flow. Uh, I'll be interested to see. I think, like, you know, this next episode is going to be a bit of a pause in some ways for Obi-Wan. He's going to have to get healed up, reconnect with the Force. We might see, it, it, it might be the episodes that begins to set everything up for the finale, which will be five and six. So I could see where a lot of people may not like this next episode this week, but then they'll see why it's important in the next two. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I, um, I'm not going to like, I'm going to try not to go in with expectations to our point that we always make. Um, but I really like what we've seen so far. Um, Obi-Wan getting punished in this sort of manner um, is, I think, very much in character, in universe. Everything tracks. Um, but you eventually have to have some sort of redemptive arc for the man. Um, and I would be very, I guess I would be disappointed if they didn't give him a little bit of his swerve back uh, this season um, and just left it on some kind of cliffhanger where, you know, he fails miserably and the universe is askew um, because like that would be the dead giveaway that season two is coming. Um, it, I guess that would be fine, but I don't know. A year is a long ways to wait to try to see Obi-Wan. My, one of my very favorite characters, by the way. See, and I'm uh... begin to get his swerve back. I want to see some of that. 
I'm actually kind of hoping that they don't do a season two. I said in our um, chat, I said that's how Caddyshack 2 gets made um, because there's only – it's like I can – I don't know. It's like how many more adventures can we go on? You know, it, it'll just be kind of weird. Um, I actually think that it's going to be this season and this is it. Um, and I think you're right that it's going to be because um, he was already low. And it's kind of like he just joined the Marine Corps, you know, and trying to find himself. And what are the first, you know, they, you know, or the military, they break you down so they can build you back up. And I think to Fredo's point, I think we are going to see some sort of, you know, other Jedi come in and help to build him back up. And like you said, get his mojo back. Um, that's got to happen quick, you know. Um, so, so far, like I said, I haven't felt like there's any dead time. I've enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, that we'll see what happens. But I don't think and I don't kind of hope that they don't do a second season. No, because I mean, there'd be even further, even further uh, adventures of leaving Tatooine and leaving Luke behind will begin to stick out. It's like it's part of that's part of the uh, element that's kind of always been yeah, in the character as we know it. It's a fine fine line between being a team player and negligent. So you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, with that. Um, We'll see what happens with tomorrow's episode. Um, let us know what you're thinking of Obi-Wan so far on Twitter or on Facebook. Hit us up. Like um, we'd like to be bothered. Um, but until then, we will say who dat. Who dat. Who dat. Everybody have a great week. My monkey.